Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show I do where I talk about the stuff that I've seen since the last time I did one of these. Let's start by addressing the elephant in the room. Yes, I am stuffed up. I have allergies. Uh, no, that's not the elephant in the room at all. The elephant in the room is the fact that uh, you... Uh, keen keen listeners may have noticed there hasn't been a new uh, episode in a couple weeks uh, and uh, patrons thank you for subscribing patrons uh, also might have noticed there's uh, has not been uh, a, a, a new patreon um, this will be fixed soon and suddenly you'll have a win a windfall of uh, a windfall no there's no age a windfall of episodes Um uh, everything's okay, there's, uh, but there's a bunch of episodes that have been recorded that, due to a weird uh, issue, I can't get to. Um, it's a very fixable situation, uh, but it's a situation that requires me and Tyler to be in the same room at the same time in order to fix, and I was out of town, and he is, you know, mostly paralyzed in a hospital bed, so that has been difficult to orchestrate. So, um don't worry the episodes are coming thank you for bearing with us thank you for the people who have <laughs> reached out and asked if i was okay i really do appreciate i honestly it's very touching and kind of embarrassing um but I'm, I'm i'm glad that you that you cared uh so anyway that's what's going on expect those episodes soon we have not actually missed a week uh, even though it feels like we have it'll all catch up um you know hopefully uh in, in the next week or so, uh, you'll have a bunch of episodes. Sorry about this. This is just one of the weird difficulties of doing this, you know, in the situation that we are currently doing and, and have been for over a year. Uh, there are just some things that pop up from time to time that would be more, uh, uh, would be slight hiccups, uh, made worse by the fact that we can't, um, uh, Tyler and I can't be in the same room and, and, uh, and, and function as we used to. So, uh, sorry about that, but let's jump in to the movies that I have seen since the last time I did one of these that I can talk about. Um, I'm going to start with a, uh, small documentary called Roots of Fire, and this is directed by Abby Barrent Lavoie and Jeremy Lavoie. Um, I don't know if they are, um, married or otherwise related but um this is uh it's called roots of fire did i say that it's called roots of fire it's a documentary about cajun music but not we get some history of cajun music but this is really more a snapshot of um of the cajun music scene as it exists right now. So we get some of the uh, really fascinating history of, of Cajun people and Cajun slash Zydeco music uh, and Creole and the differences to the extent that there are differences between Cajun and Creole um, is a fascinating thing that is talked about by a lot of the interviewees. Um, but uh, really it's a portrait of a, of a community in, in many ways. Um, it's got, uh, you know, an, a number of these musicians um, live in and around Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, and um, and they and they play there and they tour from there. They record there, but they uh, also go, you know, uh, they get nominated for uh, uh, Grammys in in uh, Roots Regional Regional Roots. I can't remember what the category is. Um, 
but there's no specific Cajun or Zydeco category for the Grammys. Uh, shockingly, there are so many Grammys that don't have a specific one. So they're, they talk about being, you know, competing against, you, you know, um, uh, Native American music and Native Hawaiian music and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it's, so, so yeah, it's a portrait of a community, a huge part of it, uh, <laughs> um, uh, in terms of like footage, not square footage, the footage, uh, used in the movie, um, is about Cajun Mardi Gras, which is different than New Orleans Mardi Gras, and also looks like, hey, look, they look like they're having a fun time. Uh, it seems like an absolute nightmare to me. <laughs> a bunch of, like, it's cold, everyone's wearing costumes, walking and drinking from town, from house to house, and uh, collecting ingredients for the gumbo they're going to make, and then some people give them live chickens, and they have to chase the live chickens. So yeah, a bunch of drunk white folks in costume uh chasing chickens it is just like uh that is some backwood shit that i I love that they love it but uh not for me but i mean the music uh, the movie is full of just great music um and and some really interesting characters so that's roots of fire uh next up i filled in a blind spot i yeah it is a blind spot I'm, i'm saying now but i i had always gotten the impression that John Carpenter's The Fog was seen as sort of like second tier uh, uh, Carpenter. Um, I guess that it's, you know, around the same time as, you know, Halloween the Thing and all these uh, big ones that that he made. Uh, So I I watched The Fog for the first time and uh, this movie rocks. It's it's so good. Um, it's yeah it's definitely top tier in terms of john carpenter scores uh top tier in terms of movies shot by dean cundy which uh is a lot of carpenter movies from this period and a lot of other great movies uh it's it's beautifully uh uh, photographed and and lit you know it's i'll talk about a movie later today that has a lot of dark sequences and i think there's a lot of people have complained about like movies being Hollywood movies especially being too dark these days and like I said we'll get to this later more more but I think part of the issue is that they're too dark overall but never fully dark like the 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 they're never true black in the shadows um and something like the fog with its largely nighttime uh story unfolding about like seriously like uh ghost pirates it's so cool <laughs> um uh, storming a, a, a New England town. Um, uh, no, a California town, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's California. Um, that uh, uh, the, the the use of the use of shadow and and the um, things sort of suggested by the true darkness. Um, it plays with your with your mind. Uh, the movie is just a, a delight to unfold, to watch unfold. Um, after that i watched you know i'd heard a lot of buzz so i um normally i you know i'm very like uh as you might know i'm i have a lot of lists and i follow like i'm going to watch this and i have a pre you know i know what i'm going to watch for the next few days um but i i went to front of the show sean ingram's uh 
band's show. Uh, they're called Weird Spirit, and they um, check them out on all the streaming platforms. They're really good. I went to their show, and, and um, afterwards I was hanging out with 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 uh, with them, and a couple of the band members were uh, among many people I had heard talking about the Hulu movie uh, No One Will Save You, directed by Brian Duffield. Um, and I'd heard so much. I'd heard so many people buzzing about it that I decided that, that night went home and just threw it on. Um, you know, it's a, it's only an hour and a half. You know, it's an easy movie. So I made it that that sort of like last minute impulse, like sort of audible to change my viewing uh, schedule for that night and watch No One Will Save You. Um, and I'm glad I watched it, but it's also not. It 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 feels like it never really takes off beyond the fun of its premise and i don't want to give for people who haven't seen it i guess it's still it's still new enough that i and it's there's still plenty of time left in uh october in halloween month um to to watch it so i I don't want to give too much away about this sort of conceit in the way the movie unfolds but the the idea that it's um a home invasion movie but the invaders are aliens and it's a single uh woman um who's home alone lives alone in a small community um and uh the 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 early going the, yeah there's a big thing that I'm not saying about how the movie how the story is told that that I'm not but that it was a a it was fascinating but also it took me like half an hour into the movie to realize <laughs> which I'm sure people who have seen it right now are probably laughing at me but it took me like I checked the thing it was 33 minutes in and I was like huh I see what's going on here um but uh and but it there's also like a sort of mystery element and that the this woman seems to be not be very well liked in her town um and it i guess it feels like a movie that sets up a lot it's it's got a great premise and it doesn't botch the follow-through on the premise but it also doesn't offer much more beyond that so I kind of, you know, even in 93 minutes, it kind of felt like it wore out its welcome a little bit and never quite lifted off um, the way I I had hoped it it would, um, especially for it's getting so much much buzz. Um, Another horror movie I watched, uh, directed by Leroy Kunz and Crew Ennis, it's called Deliver Us. Um, It... uh, the biggest name in the movie is uh, Alexander Siddig, um, but uh, basically, it's a uh, about a Catholic priest who's on the verge of retiring, um, not because he has lost his faith. Um, usually, usually, Catholic priests in movies are undergoing some sort of crisis of faith. He has not lost his faith, but uh, he has fallen in love and um is going to leave uh the no longer be a man of the cloth so that he can marry um the woman he's fallen in love with uh he's also his role in the in the church so i guess there's a little bit of a crisis of faith because his role in the church is is as an exorcist and he doesn't believe um 
I, I don't know if he's full on saying that he doesn't believe in demonic possession, but he doesn't believe that any of the exorcisms he's conducted um, are uh, are were real demonic possessions. Um, uh, but he's sort of sent out on one last job. It's a one last job type of movie uh, because a nun in a convent and I can't remember what country it's supposed to be in the the uh, the character is American he's played by one of the directors Leroy Coons um, and he does a fine job but I don't think he's you can kind of tell I don't know he's um, he's not quite at the level I think of the professional actors in the movie although I guess he, I mean he is a professional actor uh, but he's very handsome I think that goes a long way um, uh but uh so he gets uh, sent to a um his his bosses get thee to a nunnery uh, a specific nunnery where um a nun is pregnant and claims it is uh immaculate conception he's um he's there to uh to investigate that's enough about the the story um because it you know that's that really is just the setup it goes uh, a lot of different places from there um and places that are a lot of fun um and i think uh, interestingly i kind of just complained about uh no one will save you not having any real like surprises narratively and i guess deliver us doesn't really in terms of what happens it doesn't do that much you haven't seen before in this genre, but it does it with such fervor and such sort of, uh, like kayfabe, like, uh, uh, serious glee. Like this is, this is ominous, but like everyone knows we're having a good time at the same time. Uh, and also with a just shocking amount of gore. <laughs> the movie is like really gory. Um, that I have to admit, I had a, I had a blast with, with deliver us. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's that. Um, Oh, next up, I watched the film I've been looking forward to for, um, a long time. I think since it premiered, I think it, Sundance this year, uh, CJ Obasi's Mamiwata, which, uh, takes place in a West African village, um, where, um, the sort of matriarch of the village, uh, is in her position because she claims that she can commune with this ocean spirit named Mamiwata, um, and, but the, the, the village is behind its other villages in terms of uh, modern conveniences. It doesn't have electricity, um, and it doesn't have its own like school and, and hospital supplies and, and stuff like that. Uh, and so there is a sort of um, mutiny or a rebellion stirring among mostly some young men who don't, ev- who don't believe in Mamiwata. Um, and... Uh, that's kind of the it, it, so they they mount a rebellion um and it so it, it feels very shakespearean um that's what i thought a lot in in terms of these uh um power moves and these warrior poet types who do a lot of like sort of um soliloquizing uh uh and and that's that's all very cool 
Um, the main thing, though, to recommend the movie is uh, the cinematography by Lilis Lilis Suarez. Um, it's black and white, and uh, the people in this village. Uh, I don't know enough about the like specifics of like where in West Africa this is supposed to be. If if these are the 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 people in the village where markings on their on their face the different um white either lines or 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 dots um and uh that i think again reminds me of why i thought of shakespeare even going even further back to like greek tragedy because everyone has like these masks and every character is sort of it's not a really ma- real mask but it functions as a kind of mask because even though their faces emote, they have the same pattern, and each person has their 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 individual pattern. So it works as a kind of mask um, to identify uh, different characters, and you associate different sort of shapes of these designs um, with with different characters and their different motivations. Uh, and it all looks like it looks very beautiful and in in black and white but it's also this is not the movie i was gonna there's another movie i'm gonna later that i'm gonna talk about darkness but talk about a movie that is not afraid to embrace uh blackness you know the the nighttime scenes like i said there's no electricity here uh, in this and i'm not saying they shot it naturally because the movie would be pitch black if that were true obviously there's some artificial light uh, mimicking moonlight but you know there are scenes on the beach because you know this is a a coastal village there are scenes on the beach at night where like you can see the characters and you can hear the water but you can't really make much else out um but in a way that feels very uh intentional um and very stark and and uh uh, it, it it feels like sort of uh, art photography uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah, Mamiwata, very good. Um, next up, two rewatches in a row. I rewatched Victor Arise's The Spirit of the Beehive, um, and I won't go into too much detail on it, actually, because I rewatched it because I discussed it on an episode of the What a Picture podcast um, hosted by uh, Brian Loomis um, and uh, his wife, whose uh, name I have... What? I I talked to her for an hour and a half. What was her name? Maya? Shit. I feel like an asshole. Um, But anyway, the podcast is called What a Picture. I got that name. uh, That name right. Um... So, um, Hannah, her name is Hannah. Ah, uh, anyway, um, uh, I, 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 uh, went on, on the, what a picture podcast where they're, they're jumping around, uh, talking about all the sight and sound top 100 movies. Um, and they let me pick from the ones they hadn't done yet. And, uh, I love spirit of the beehive. I love a movie that is about movies but not in a sort of like uh platitudinal way like uh like like some movies like cinema paradiso which i um got some blowback on uh twitter for talking shit about doing cinema paradiso on on what a picture um and uh spirit of the beehive is a movie that um is about the way that movies can unlock things um and 
stand for things and and um put things in motion but it's also about family and and politics and uh a lot of other other things um yeah so the spirit of the spirit of the beehive fantastic really what a picture um but yeah listen to me talk about it on the what a picture podcast Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next up, I rewatched uh, a movie I've seen many, many times, but had not seen for uh, close to 20 years, and that's Jonathan Demme's Stop Making Sense, um, which is newly restored and being released uh, by A24. Um, it's um, uh, the back... So I the last time there was any sort of restoration done was, I think, 99, maybe 98, 99, um, and they put out a um, widescreen VHS, letterboxed VHS. Uh, and I had that and I watched it a lot because um, I don't know if you know this about me, um, but Talking Heads, um, easily top five, uh, maybe top two musical artists for me of all time, like musical acts. I, I'm a, I've been an enormous Talking Heads fan since I was in ninth grade. Um uh, I'm, I'm obsessed. Uh, and, uh, so that's why I used to watch that VHS all the time at the end of like toward the end of high school there. Um, but I haven't, I hadn't watched it, uh, since. And, um, uh, yeah, watching it again, just especially in this new, beautiful, crisp, um, uh, restoration, uh, it, uh, continued to just be the, it it's i this is a cold ice cold take but uh a lot of people say it's the best concert film of all time and i will say it is certainly the best one i've ever seen um uh it's it feels almost impossible even sitting in the movie theater not to clap at the end of every song and i kind of did actually a few times uh clap i did not quite stand up and dance but there were people in the theater who did stand up and dance and i don't blame them i was not mad at them for that um uh I, but i think um maybe the reason it has this reputation and earns this reputation as the best concert film of all time is a the music music is great it's visually great like the performances you know david byrne has like some sort of dances that he does but also he's got in addition to tina weymouth and jerry harrison and chris france uh they've got Steve Scales and Alex Weir and um, uh, uh, Bernie Morrell and that especially like Alex Weir and Steve Scales are like so uh, lively on stage and, and are clearly having a fun time. Everyone looks like they're having fun the whole time. The two backup singers, Ed, Edna and what is it, Louise? I'm like, I, okay, I can't remember. Um, uh, I mean, you know what? It's Lynn. I knew it started with an L. Okay. Um, everyone just looks like they're having such a fun time that's a big part of it but also the fact that this is not unlike your standard concert movie this is not a, I, I don't think of it as a documentary 
because it's not a concert that was filmed it's they put on the concert to film it and it did i think two performances and it was it was made for the camera first um and that's uh just that's just fascinating um and 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 jonathan demi uh knows exactly uh not just what he knows how to edit edit it together he's in terms of uh he clearly loves music he's made he made uh other other music documentaries and we always seem to be during the song looking at the thing that is most that we want to be looking at at the moment that it's happening you know you want to see if you were just listening to the music and imagining it you'd be like i want to see tina playing the bass in heaven. I, I want to see Bernie Worrell doing the um, the keyboards in uh, this must be the place. You know when he shows you exactly what you would want to see. Um, beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. And then okay, the next four, which are the last four uh, movies I'm going to talk about, uh, I watched on the plane. So normally I don't watch movies on planes because normally they're edited. Um, but on the way to, I, I was in London, by the way. That's where I saw Stop Making Sense, too, was uh, at the screen on the green in, in London, in the neighborhood of uh, Islington, or the borough of Islington, I guess. Um, so normally I don't want, like to watch movies on, I like to read or sleep, mostly sleep on planes. Um, but my wife, uh, Natalie, my wife, you guys know Natalie. Uh, Natalie watched on the way to London, watched No Hard Feelings, and said that it was like completely uncut, you know, full frontal nudity and all of that stuff. That's a movie that you could tell, you know, you'd know if it were uh, 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 censored. Um, so I decided, hell, I'm going to use my ten and a half hour flight on the way back to catch up on some 2023 movies that I hadn't haven't seen. Um, and so I. Uh, started with a couple long ones. I watched Bo is Afraid, uh, which I think is almost certainly... Eh, I, th- I think it's my favorite Ari Aster film so far. But also, if you know my opinions from listening to this podcast, that's not saying a whole hell of a lot. I don't... I didn't like Hereditary. I found a lot um, of progress in, in him, a lot of growth in Midsummer. There are a lot of things about Midsummer that I like, I could even see myself, that's why I hesitate to say Bo's Afraid is my favorite, because I could see myself rewatching Midsummer, even though, um, uh, I, I think it has some of the same problems as Hereditary, um, in, in terms of kind of, uh, um, not sticking the landing, uh, and Bo's Afraid has the same problem of not sticking the landing, but it's three hours long, and it's, I mean, it's so enjoyable up until then. I, I mean, enjoyable seems like a, like obviously you're listening to this podcast. You know, like what I mean. I'm not saying it's you know um, the Wizard of Oz or anything. It's like it it's very tense and uneasy, but it's also strange. Uh, it's also oh, I would say it's definitely the funniest Ari Aster film. There is some stuff in there that made me laugh out loud on the on the on the plane. Uh, there's it's like there's a serial killer. Um, that the news Chiron refers to as 
birthday boy stab man. <laughs> I don't even say any more than there's no, I'm not even going to say any more than that. Just the idea that like birthday boy stab man is out terrorizing the, the, the public, uh, with these, with these random killings. Um, there's some other, uh, very funny stuff, um, in a, in a strange way. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, for the first two plus hours, I was like, this is great. He's, really this is a really big step ahead but then once again it gets to the ending and i feel like Ari Aster just in in this case i feel like the the third act becomes just increasingly obvious and then becomes louder and louder in its obviousness um in, in a way that uh that that turned me turned me off uh i mean the the very end is has all that obviousness um but at least has the movie has a great performance from walking phoenix throughout so um yeah it might be a while before it's before i watch it again because it's three hours long and i don't like a big like the big chunk of the end leaves a bad taste in my mouth but uh i'm definitely glad i watched that on, on uh the on the plane um and uh, i'm definitely glad i watched it just period um next up another movie that i didn't realize going in was nearly uh three hours long i finally caught up with john wick chapter four and this is uh, i will always have a place in my heart for the first one so i will say this is the best one since the first one but it might actually be the best one but uh easily the best one since the the first one um it could have been longer as far as i'm concerned because uh uh, I was thinking about like comparing the run times. I was thinking about the differences between the raid or the raid redemption and raid two and how raid two is like an hour longer than the raid, but, um, doesn't have any more action than the raid. It just added an hour of kind of turgid drama that, that kind of, uh, kept the momentum from 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 building uh john wick chapter four yeah being um uh yeah and over an hour longer than the first john wick um doesn't have that problem it is just wall to wall there's so little real story here there's just uh uh wall to wall like there's a part there's a part you know uh when we're clearly like about to gear up for the final the final battle but there's an hour left in the movie and i was like what are they gonna do i was <laughs> i was foolish to 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 wonder how they had out that hour john wick just like fights a bajillion guys um and all of it is all of it so great um it's so great to it, it's so fun to look at it so well choreographed also um the 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 series has been so great at at introducing like supporting characters who are who are fascinating um and in this case uh Donnie Yen shows up as a uh uh a blind uh, assassin who like John Wick in the first movie has retired but is like sort of forced back into the 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 life um and he's both like a you know um because I, like this there's this like sort of brotherhood of assassins but 
part of being an assassin means that they had to kill each other. So uh, Kane, Danny Yen's character, is both um, a uh, a pal and an antagonist at the same time. Uh, and uh, I'm going to say right now, Danny Yen for for best supporting actor. So that's John Wick. Um, um, uh, next up, uh, I watched M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Sorry, <laughs> I had already seen Old. I watched M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, which I was eager to see because the last M. Night Shyamalan movie was old, and I really liked Old a lot. Um, and uh, Knock at the Cabin is definitely a come down from Old. I don't think it's bad. I, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, M. Night Shyamalan has such skills um, in, uh, in, in such artistry in uh, mood and storytelling that um, it's hard for him to make a bad movie. Um, there was a time that was a controversial statement, actually. I forget about I forget that. Um, and I'm guilty of it, too, because I actually, now that I say it, I still don't really like The Village, and I know I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Knock at the Cabin... Um, uh, I think um, the difference. Uh, this feels like a, a a trend on this this movie journal is that um, there's a big surprise that comes having to do with Rupert Grint's character um, fairly early on, and I think. But after that, it's kind of established, like, okay, so this is the path the movie's going to take, and then it just keeps doing it. So you kind of, like, you kind of see it coming. It's still moody and in great performances um, uh, uh, from the whole cast. Um, I... Uh, uh, Abby Quinn is in it. I feel like I hadn't seen her in... Um, anything in a while but I, I i like her uh ben aldridge was the one who was like kind of uh, uh new to me he played he and jonathan groff play um the the couple the married couple at the center of the movie uh he's he's really good uh there's definitely a lot to to keep it going but it's like i think the fog might not be second tier carpenter but i do think knock at the cabin is second tier Shyamalan. um and then finally, so so I finished Knock at the Cabin. I realized I still had almost two hours uh, left in the flight. So I was like, what can I watch? So I was like, oh, I'll watch Blackberry. Nope. That one's two hours, just a little over, I think. And I was like, you know what? Animated movies tend to be short. Why don't I finally catch up on Across the Spider-Verse? Fucking two hours and 20 minutes. So I didn't watch that. So I was just like looking at what was new and short and that led me to um scott beck and brian woods 65 yes the movie where uh adam driver shoots at dinosaurs um this this feels like a movie that was kind of made to watch on an airplane um it's you don't really have to pay very close attention to the the story. It's very simple and uh, kind of dumb, but also kind of like surprisingly dumb. I don't know how much uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what uh, was known 
uh, about it. Um, I guess I had assumed, okay, I'm going to give something away that I think people probably know that I just didn't. I had assumed it was a time travel movie, like Sound of Thunder type of deal where Adam Driver goes back in time. No, Adam Driver is not a human. He's an alien from a planet that was that is like concurrent with 65 million years ago. So he's this is his present, but he crash lands on prehistoric Earth where there's dinosaurs. Um, the escape pod breaks off the ship and lands 15 kilometers away. There's one other survivor, a cute little tyke, uh, who doesn't speak the same language, um, uh, which I know you're thinking of, like, Midnight Sky. God, hopefully you're not thinking Midnight Sky. Hopefully you weren't subjected to Midnight Sky. Uh, It has kind of a Midnight Sky plot uh, in that he has to get across a dangerous terrain with a a, a small child uh, who doesn't understand him. But um, uh, it's a much better movie than, than that. Uh, but what's <laughs> so that's the plot that he has to get across 50 kilometers of killer dinosaurs um, with this child to get to the escape vessel but then <laughs> they add another thing which is that his like I don't know radar device or whatever you call it uh, picks up that there's a huge asteroid a, a monstrous like planet killing asteroid headed for so yes he has managed to land on earth less than 48 hours before the asteroid that it's gonna uh destroy the dinosaur life um it's that's so silly but it's also like okay that's just fun uh it's it's a it's a fun um uh twist it's a it's a fun heightening of of the plot and the movie also like the um scott beck and brian woods uh have a couple of cool ideas um uh with you know um using uh lightning to suddenly reveal uh, a dinosaur we didn't know was there or there's one part where and it's almost hard to explain but he's got this little like thing that looks like those like old portable dvd player like uh things but it like scans the dark cave in front of him and can tell you where their life forms and he ends up getting into a fight with a dinosaur and that thing falls on the ground pointed at them so for a part of the fight we're not watching them we're just watching the two holograms of them on the little uh screen thing uh fight which is like super cool um but this is the movie that I'm talking about that that has that thing of like even when they're in a cave like no, there's no no part of the screen is really black everything's just kind of like blue tinted I guess uh, and that feels very like one of my least favorite things about the uh, present day look of of movies um, but it's still fun. Uh, it's got some really dumb dialogue. There's a part early on before he's found. He's on at the at the crash site, crash site, and he's looking for this escape pod that broke off the ship. And the the um com- the the ship's computer is is like speaking in like the you know woman computer voice and saying like uh uh searching for escape vessel location undetected. And Adam Driver looks at the screen and goes where are you? 